When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, support, or do anything that you can to help out us at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and it's NFL Week season one the season's here nfl week one is here so hopefully you'll go ahead and check out our inside sports fantasy football shows plus also as well the great folks at lakersball.com be part of the conversation today at lakersball.com also as well the hoop heads podcast network it is sincerely appreciated well rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated i did not wash up on shore on a hawaiian island after a parasailing accident i've heard all these rumors about where i'm at what i'm doing i had a lot of tape shows in the can that i put away in a nice tidy place and then brought them out over the past couple weeks for not only the lakers fast break but pop culture cosmos truly appreciate everyone to listening to all those shows because we got some great returns and great responses on all of them including this man right next to me here i'll tell you what i'm so glad he's back i'm so glad that we're doing shows again ready to talk more lakers in the nba but here with me today is a good man indeed he is one of the great people behind lakersball.com you'll know him as ox1947 but I know him as Joe Sorrell. And Joe, great to have you back on the program. Again, I'm looking a little tanner. I've got the Robinson Crusoe beard going. That's going to go away because it's itching the heck out of me. But I am happy to be back in the saddle. Once again. My friend calls it the George Michael beard. Whenever I let the, uh, the, the, the scruff kind of go out a little bit. And the reason why I do this is it shaves better after the third or fourth day. I could, okay. I'm, a, I'm a clean-shaven guy, typically, but um, the skin tends to kind of ache. Almost like a careless <laughs> whisper. Ooh. Yeah, well, there you go. That, that was a good, that was a good one. <laughs> it, 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 it shaves better when you let it go three, four days, and then after that, it's smooth as a baby's butt. But um, welcome back, Gerald. I was very bored at night not doing the show <laughs> while you were gone. But uh, being being it. You know, being in Hawaii, I, 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 everybody has to go to Hawaii at least once a year. Yeah, it's just absolutely. one of those places where you have to do it. And again, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're healthy. I'm glad everyone's 
doing well. Um, I'm ecstatic about 25 days from today. Uh, that's when training camp training camp starts. And that's when they actually go and pose for photographs and the press day and all that. And then they finally, on the third or fourth day, they get around to practicing. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, just getting the, the ball rolling, so to speak, to, to, to kind of get a feel for all the cliche interviews and, 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 you know, uh, the passive discussions and the bad questions from the reporters, which, it is at an all-time high, by the way. Um, well, I got a challenge for you first. First, I want a big thank you to you stepping in again for two great shows we did over the past couple of weeks. And one of those shows you touched on was your favorite Lakers all-time, your top 10 Lakers all-time. So I've got a challenge for you, my friend, to get that word out there to everybody at LakersBall.com. I want to hear their thoughts on their all-time top 10 Lakers. I really want to see those lists. I'll read them on the show if you, what they want. I, I just want to go ahead and get this ball rolling because those kind of conversations seem to be great. We had an awesome conversation, and hopefully people will check out that episode on your thoughts on the top 10 all-time Lakers because I really enjoyed it. And I'm hopeful that everybody at LakersBall.com, Lakerholics.com, and all the great Laker fans that are out there on Facebook and our Lakerholics that follow us at Lakers Fast Break can do so as well. Yeah, it's a difficult list. I'd say next to the Yankees, it might be the most difficult list to make. Just well, because no, actually, I got one tougher for you coming up. Oh, the, the, how do you – you have to kind of – Create, you know, again, you always want to kind of bring some kind of originality because I think I've done the top 10 Laker thing. My buddy will send me, he's a huge Laker fan as well. He'll send me, you know, starting fives versus this starting five. It's every, every other month he'll send me something where it's not all, all, all Lakers, but it'll be like Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, Shaq, and Wilt on one team, and then Kareem and Bill Russell and everybody else on the other team. And I'm sitting there going, man, I don't have a clue who the hell I pick. Uh, well, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about yeah. going with all the guests I'm out there. They're top 10 all-time players, period, in the NBA. So that might it, it is. It is. It, they're on. They're going to be doing a 75, uh, top top 75 now since the NBA is going to be hitting its 75-year anniversary. Uh, the list is going to likely include pretty much everyone after 1996, uh, <laughs> I guess. So <laughs> revisionist history that it's at its peak. I, I tend to not, I, it's not my thing usually to, to pick the best of, especially when it's players you didn't watch play. Okay. It's well, been, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a break then on it. I'll give you. A yeah. Break. It's a different, like how am I, Jerry West is great. Will Chamberlain was great. Uh, you know, these guys, and even to some degree, uh, you know, like guys like uh, James Worthy and Magic, you know, I, I was just kind of coming in. I remember Magic. I remember Worthy the, very vividly. It was like at the end of their career, though. I didn't get a chance to see them in their prime when they were really, really good. So I came in more when Jordan came in. Any, anybody after 1991, I, I can validate wh whether they're worthy of a, a top five pick or a top ten pick. Uh, from, you know, guys like Olajuwon, David Robinson, Shaq, Kobe, and all the, all the gang. As far yeah, as Lakers, It was a fun list, Lakers, though. Well, yeah, as far as the Lakers, the 90s Lakers, I'd say between 1990, 
1993 and 1996, it's a very well-liked team. They weren't championship caliber, but I, I know a lot of Laker fans that really loved Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel and Vladi at the time. Eldon Campbell was a, a pain in the behind because he never really fulfilled his potential. But there were, those were some exciting teams, especially in uh, 1990, what was it, 1995, when the Lakers beat a, you know, championship caliber Seattle Supersonics team in the first round. That was a shock. And the following round, they played the San Antonio Spurs and took them to six. And that was Nick Van Exel's, you know, series, basically. He, he basically won them two games in that series. And it was exciting ball. It was just watching almost like all the young pups just do their thing. But deep down, we knew they're not gonna, they weren't going to be able to compete with the Jordans and the, and the Olajuwon's and the Robinsons at the time. But Well, you mentioned the 1990s Lakers. And there's somebody I want to mention out there who's going through some stuff right now. And that's Cedric Sabalos from the mid-90s Lakers, uh, one-time yeah. all-star. He just announced from the ICU in the hospital that he's at that he has the coronavirus, COVID-19, and uh, he's going through some tough times. He's been in their ICU for about 10 days. So I want to wish him the best and a speedy recovery. You've got our prayers here at the Lakers Fast Break. Again, someone who loved to put up great offensive numbers all the time throughout his entire career, through all the stops he made. Again, a one-time All-Star, but still a part of the Lakers family, and I wish him and his family all the best, and I hope he gets well soon. Such a good guy, Gerald. You know, you're, you're a good man. I, 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 I'll always love Cedric Savalos because his trip to Lake Havasu netted us Robert Ory. There you go. And had he not done that, I don't think Robert Ory would have ever been a Laker. Uh, and things might be a little different during the three-peat era without Robert Ory. So well, that Sacramento game to start off. <laughs> well, I get it. I, again, I remember, I remember that time very well. And the Sacramento series gets all the hype. But I think if you, if you paid attention like I did, you know, you also remember game three in 2001, the 2001 finals. Yep. Uh, overtime, Kobe passes it to him, hits a shot, looks back on the Philly fan and goes – you know, like that. Yep. Game three against Portland in Portland. Down two. It's the three. Clinches the series in three. So Ori did things that, you know, I think we're we're down one title without Ori at the very least. We're down one title. Which would be bad for him because that would leave him only with seven rings, I think. Would, so, it would leave him with six. He has seven now. Oh, he has seven. Okay, six. I'm he would sorry. Have had you lose six. track. When, when, you, yeah. when you have so many like lying but around. But see, here's the thing. He, he would have been six and over likely because we probably would have been bounced before the final. So yeah. he still would have had six and oh, so it would have been fine, I guess. But that, that 890s team, again, was that, that was the epitome of the Laker organization. You know, you had, you had a down. You had, you had a three or four year window where they were down, but they were still watchable. You know, they, you still were invested in the players. And it's, that's part of why it's so hard. How do I, I, people forget about Elgin Baylor and they forget about James Worthy, you know, and it's, and James Worthy, God, the reason why they called them big game James is because as they got hot, you know, 
further into the playoffs, further into the series, at some point, especially with Kareem kind of being towards the twilight of his career, that's when James Worthy had to take over. See, James Worthy was coached by the dean of all deans, right, in North Carolina, and he was such a team guy that I think he held back a lot of his game during his career when he when, – when, when, it had he not, he probably would have had better numbers and maybe even gone after some MVPs. But because he was such a team guy, he kind of did his thing during the regular season. And then when things got tighter, when Kareem couldn't do what he needed to do because the defenses were collapsing on him and Magic being the point guard, he's going to be doing his thing. Worthy was the one that kind of said, okay, now it's time for me to take over because they've kind of held Magic, held Kareem a little bit. Now they're going to have to deal with me. And subsequently, in the in the uh, winning three titles with him in the lineup, so and we're greatly appreciative of everything that you know. Obviously, big game James has done, and of course, Mister Big Shot Rob Ory has done as well. Rob Ory, Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, Kirk Rambis. I mean, come on, man. Derek are, Fisher. Derek Fisher. We're talking about role players, all time, all time Lakers. You know, yeah. all time Lakers guys that made massive effects they have massive contributions and being that the lakers are only a you know they only hang hall of famers up there it is it's still it's still appreciated by laker fans for those guys that are not hall of fame caliber players those guys were just as important during their runs and fisher and ori you know we don't we might not have a, an extra title also without fisher uh, so sure. again, it's it's it's, it's it, I'm I'm just happy my dad moved to Fullerton when I was two years old from Detroit, and became a Laker fan. That that changed my life without me even knowing. <laughs> and you know, with Derek Fisher, you know they created the point zero four scenario, especially for him. Yes, if you remember, you know, I got, the, you know I got the I got the cops called on me that day. By the way, oh really? I so loud that the people below us. Well, I was in an apartment with my my. Uh, girlfriend who's now my wife we <laughs> they thought out there was a domestic issue so two cops show up at my door maybe about 30 minutes after he hits the shot and the, the cop kind of <laughs> you open the door the cop's like everything okay in there and i'm like Derek fisher just hit the, the shot and we go crazy he's like oh okay and then he left so yeah it, that was a memorable that was a memorable <laughs> A memorable moment. And I think the neighbors after that really didn't like us. Luckily, I didn't live there much longer. But, uh, but yeah, it's been an interesting uh, – it's interesting. Those games are stamped in my memory uh, on reaction and, and time. The Robert Ory shot, um, I was – I was at my parents' house at the time, and there was no place to run or jump. So I basically <laughs> – went back on like like a turtle and just went <laughs> didn't know what to, didn't know what to do couldn't even believe it I was in hell at that moment because Kobe misses the shot Shaq misses a shot and then all you do is see the ball go this way and I'm like it's over bloody bloody tapped it out because he thought he was trying to kill some time and Ooh, it was the right move it was the right move it just happened to have Ori at the right spot and man yeah, you know, again, I if we never win again, we've we've seen 
some of the most iconic games and shots in the history of sports. Uh, six championships as a functioning adult, someone who knows what's going on. Six. Uh, so again, we're 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 it's all gravy now. Uh, we win another one here, we win another one there. You know, maybe if I live another 20, 30 years, uh, I might go to my grave saying, man, I saw 15 or 16 L.A. Laker championships. <laughs> well, we're trying now. The goal is to get ahead, one ahead, at least one ahead of Boston at this point in time. And we could do it this year. Got a nice lineup in store. A lot of experts out there are picking the Lakers to go ahead and compete for an NBA title. In fact, we're seeing in Vegas here, we're seeing a lot of action on them as probably the number two or number three choice, depending on which hotel or casino you're going to right now. They're either ahead of or just behind Milwaukee in the betting odds. Right now, Brooklyn's listed as the favorite in all the hotels and casinos, but we'll go into that as it gets closer to the season. We'll go into more of the favorites. We'll go into more of the the odds and, and things of that nature and and also talk about the teams in depth. But I'd like to talk about some recent additions that happened while I was on the different islands in, in Hawaii. And I, I was on, again, just great to go. If you get a chance, everyone, and you're able to afford it, go to Hawaii because you've got the islands, you know, like where I was with Maui, Hilo, Kauai, and Oahu, and just paradise everywhere you could see. And it's just tremendous. But while I was there, Something that wasn't too surprising was that Rajon Rondo got bought out after he was traded to Memphis, got bought out, and not so surprisingly was picked up by the Lakers because a lot of people had thought that Jared Dudley was going to re-sign with the Lakers, much to my chagrin. And I've said that often on the show, how much I did not care for having Jared Dudley on the team in a playing capacity. I always thought he would be better as a coach or mentor capacity I also think that Rajon Rondo has a future someday as a coach, and I would love to see him be a part of the coaching staff eventually with the Lakers, but I don't know if that's going to be the case or if he's going to be just moved into a head spot right away. I'm not sure about that, but for right now, bringing him back in on a minimum deal and bringing him back in to be not only a locker room presence, which is kind of weird since it's Rajon Rondo and he's managed to destroy his share of locker rooms, but in this case, as we saw from what happened in the bubble and what we saw as far as over the course of his time, for most of the time as a Laker, he's done a pretty good job of being an integral part of the team, not necessarily on the court all the time. They're in the thick of it right there on the sidelines as well. I'm with you on the Jared Dudley thing. Uh, I don't romanticize the locker room veteran. Towel waivers. I'm not a – I've never been that a fan of that. This is I the know, NBA. I know, I know LeBron was very upset that he left to be – LeBron gets upset over a, an ant walking across his table. Well, that's just kind of how he is. Jared Dudley uh, had a positive – I don't know what in the locker room that they like. Cool. That's great. But this is the thing I just love about the Lakers. You know, it's – they know, they know. And I had to tell a lot, of, I had, I was posting on Lakers ball uh, about the THT thing before things became official. And I started noticing that there wasn't a lot of talk coming out of the Caruso camp. And I, it just gave me that feeling that 
it's very likely they're going to probably choose THT. As popular as Alex was, as great as he was when he was here, uh, you can't play everyone. You know, there's only so many minutes. Uh, you being from L.A., one of the things I tell people in the entertainment business, I said, doesn't matter how talented you are in that industry. There's only so many spots. So in a way, it's the same thing in the NBA. Who, how, when, when is Caruso going to truly play? He was playing, what, 18 minutes a game, you know, and doing well. I, I mean, and, and, and I guess he could have continued to do that. Well, the thing is, I, the only thing I say is here in regards to Caruso, he does something that THT currently doesn't do unless he develops it as a younger individual. And this is where the six-year difference may may be one of the reasons why that the Lakers thought it out because THT is 20 and, and Caruso is 26. But the defense at the backcourt position, which right now is a little bit of a concern if you're a Lakers fan, I'm going to be honest with you out there, is something Caruso provided. But for the dollar amounts that they had to go ahead and pay because Caruso wasn't reportedly was going to give them a break, but not too much of a break. They still had to considerably pay, what, 30, 25 to $30 million over the course of four years in order to retain him. And the taxes involved with that, you know, that you would have to pay on top of that because the Lakers are over the cap would be something that I think that the Lakers just felt that they would have to do without. But uh, I, I know this is something that might hurt them because their defense is now a little bit of a question mark. Uh, if AD is healthy and Dwight is doing his thing at least 20 minutes a game, I don't think it's going to be a problem. The issue last year was six-minute droughts in scoring. I think they did use some analytics here in determining who they should pick. Uh, we had the number one defense percentage-wise last year, and it it didn't really mean a lot. You know, because it was because the offense was so dreadful. And this is, you know, I can't just use the excuse that LeBron and, and, and AD were out too. They they had those dry spells even with, with those guys uh in sometimes. And with the acquisitions they've brought in, it, it, it made sense. You know, it, it made sense. Uh, I, it, it, it's a you can't sign any everybody, and not everybody can play. So there, there had to be someone that ended up getting sacrificed. In this deal, uh, THT has a, a particular set of skills that's very rare. Well, not rare, but important in the NBA right now, which is someone who can tween between one and two ball handling and scoring, um, which he does possess, especially at 20 years old. He's shown that he can actually handle the spotlight at that young of an age. So imagine where he'll be again in three to four years. So you have to take your chance on that one. That that That's just, that's their draft pick. That's their guy. He's shown that he can handle it. Uh, Caruso did have some injury issues that I didn't like. Uh, that was the only negative I'd say with with Caruso that I kind of was frustrated with. Every other week he'd have some kind of thing with his finger or whatever, or his hand or his ankle or whatever. And I'm like, to me, uh, I'm a, I'm an availability fan. Uh, I believe that availability is the greatest ability when you're there and you're available and you can play all the time. One of the things I like about LeBron is his ability to be available. And that's what ultimately makes him, you know, great in my book is his ability to be there and play. Um, and he took a lot of pride in that up until he got taken out uh, earlier in the year. 
And he, he could have taken, he could have gone the Popovich route and, you know, managed his stuff, but he, he probably started hearing some things. You know, Michael played 82 games nine times. Kobe played 82 games four times. He's never played 82 games, or I think it might be one. So, you know, LeBron is, he gets very jealous. He's a very, uh, and, and, you know, he listens to all that stuff and it, it motivates him. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. What does that mean for Rondo? Well, the, re- the reason why you signed Rondo is, is, is why not? He's not going to complain about minutes. You can put him in the, the important times and he'll be major asset. Well, he doesn't have as much importance or relevance in this in this situation. And the re- what I'm saying is that he doesn't have to come in and have to do as much as he did in previous years. I mean, because which, now which, the Lakers, yeah. Lakers have a lot more talent overall with Malik Monk, and also as well they have you know Kendrick. But see, Nunn. He, he's his skill set is it's not something. It, it wouldn't affect it's those more guys. cerebral with with Rondo. It's more cerebral. Rondo, Rondo, and and the and guys like let's Rondo more than 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 CP three. Those guys again. I, I I think I talked about this in one of the other shows. They have the pre millennial mentality in terms of how to conduct the, the team and how to how to conduct the 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 the, 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 the game plan and. Rondo more so than, than CP3. He's not as much of a whiner, right? So Rondo, he's just a no-nonsense no guy. He, he, he wants to do his thing, and you leave him alone. And him coming back to L.A., uh, in terms of him wanting to come back to L.A., I think, I think they just understand him there. LeBron understands him. The front office understands him. He's run into so many problems in other areas. He even ran, ran into a little bit of problem with, with the L.A. Clippers. And yeah. he kind of had a little parting shot with, you know, Ty, Ty Lu in saying that if you don't, you know, believe in the play, if the coach doesn't believe in you, then, you know, you have an issue. And I remember watching the games, he, he didn't even really play in, in those series. And I'm not going to fault Ty Lu on this because if, if the Clippers had Kawhi Leonard there, they're, they're winning the championship. It's very likely they're winning the championship. So Lou had some some other agenda going on, and it was working up until his main guy got got bounced, and then they got bounced. The, Rondo's Rondo. I, I, I bringing him back. He worked before. I don't see him not working now. He's gonna probably play even less during the regular season, and then when it's playoff time, that's when you can kind of pick your spots. Do you and I both know 
that regular season Rondo is not pretty at times. In fact, over the time on this show, regular season Rondo and I have had lots of issues as far as a lot of the, the things that he's done or the lack of productivity. But I am no longer going to doubt playoff Rondo after what we saw in the bubble. And if he can give you, like you said, just some minutes, more guidance and mentorship and letting these new players know, the ones that have not been with the Lakers before, about what LeBron playing with with him and playing with AD is like, giving them the mentorship that he, that he can give, because I really think there is a future for him if he so chooses to in a coaching profession. And then also taking that knowledge and experience into a larger role come playoff time, because Again, you know, with situations where we're seeing with Russell Westbrook, where he is going to be a feast or famine proposition in the playoffs, because you know he's going to either dominate or he's going to get dominated because of his certain skill set and his lack of skill set in other areas. I mean, whoever he brings to you as far as rebounding, passing, driving the ball, intensity, and just out sheer out and out hustle he will not give it to you as far as shooting is concerned. And, you know, those times in the playoffs where he's struggling a bit, you can bring in a Rondo. And if you get playoff Rondo, that could be a big bonus for you at that time. Where we're playing, I'm not expecting, I'm not going to be disappointed if Rondo finally hits the wall. Yeah. Where we're asking, playoff Rondo would be the icing on the cake. But We're not asking him to do as much this time around. Yeah, it's, it's, Rondo to me kind of made his bones two years ago or a year ago, <laughs> two seasons less ago. Than, less than a year ago. Right. And the thing is, he did something that season that I had never seen him do consistently, which is shoot. Yeah. He was nailing threes at a very consistent rate. And I believe that was the difference. It was that. Because I watched the 2010 NBA Finals. I remember Kobe was sagging off him, especially in Game 7. And he didn't shoot. And I was thinking in the back of my head while he was shooting, especially in Game 6 when they pretty much sealed that game in the second quarter because of AD's defense and Rondo making every shot. Um, I'm thinking to myself, if, if this Rondo in 2020 shot like that in 2010 – the Lakers would be sitting at 16 championships right now, and the Celtics would be at 18. It's interesting looking at those two things. You know, I'm, I'm used to seeing Rondo play like Rondo in 2010, creating a, a, a Titanic-like sinking in, in Dallas, which I, I'm not going to lie, I, I got a kick out of that. Um, and then having his issues in Sacramento, having his issues, eh, he didn't really have a lot of issues in Chicago when he was in Chicago. Uh, had a little bit of maybe some stuff in, in the Clippers. And then, of course, he's in L.A. He's a Laker. And, you know, other than his regular season snafus, he's he's been – he came through when it mattered. And that, to me, is all that matters. Can you come through when it matters? He did. Now, I think he's on his last – I'd say maybe last year, maybe two. Him being a coach – the only way Rondo becomes a head coach in the NBA and a successful one is if he gets lucky and gets a superstar. Because if he doesn't, no one's going to listen to Rondo. That guy's way too beastly. 
for this generation of basketball players. They will, they will, they'll have a mutiny. If you think the Brian Shaw situation in Denver was bad, Rondo would be fired probably within that four months. Well, I didn't say it would be a pretty. I just said I think there is a future for him in the coaching ranks. I, I still think future. So. I, yes, there is. But I, head coach, he, he's got to pick the right situation. He's got to go to a team that has a superstar that's going to listen to him. A lot of the reasons why Popovich was successful. I'm not saying Popovich isn't a phenomenal coach, but there's a lot of phenomenal coaches. There's some great coaches. But having Tim Duncan, having these type of players that are going to, you know, like a Tom Brady, a Tim Duncan, guys that are at the peak on their team taking the licking from the coach. Everyone else has to fall in line. It's just no other way to go. And the second those guys leave, guess what? The mutiny happens. Look what happened with Kawhi Leonard. He gets his feelings hurt by Pop, and then he bounces and forces a trade. So as far as Rondo, again, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but um, Rondo's effectiveness this year uh, will, will be determined by how Frank Vogel manages his minutes and I know t- the playing time during the regular season is going to be an issue. He's, you know, I don't think Rondo cares about that. But when it's time to, you know, we need that guy to to control the flow and get the guys the, the ball. Oh, oh, you're going to see him in big games for sure doing that if he can still do it. I hope so. I hope playoff Rondo will return. Regular season Rondo, obviously that's something that I've always taken issue with. And But he's not needed in, in a capacity during the regular season if everybody stays healthy or relatively healthy. He's not going to be needed as much this time around during the regular season. When we need him is hopefully during the playoffs, if there's a chance that they're going to go ahead and throw something different at a team and a different look, Rondo could be part of that different look. So I'm hoping you have young, you have young talent, you have young talent. And again, the NBA is a young man's game. That's Stu Lance's. He says that at least two or three times a year during a telecast. This is a young man's game. The Lakers have a lot of old guys on the team, but they also have a lot of young guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that Frank comes in the training camp and tells everybody, look, guys, we got Malik Monk. We got none. We got THT. We got some guys here that, you know, an AD, AD is still a young guy. We got some guys here that we're going to give you guys a shot. And if you guys play very well, first of all, number one, especially when in the case of none and Monk, you guys are playing for the next 10, 15, $20 million contract. So we're going to give you every opportunity to get that. Look what happened with Caruso. Caruso got that contract because of how well he performed as a Laker. None and and, and Monk are athletically more talented than Caruso. So if those guys kill it, we're likely going to end up benefiting from that, obviously, in terms of winning a title. And then at the same time, they're going to be able to go into free agency next year or whenever and and get the kind of money that they want. So this is a win-win. And then again, guys like Rondo, guys, the, the veterans, they're team oriented. They're gonna they're gonna end up, you know, making things much easier for everyone, as opposed to what Marcus Saul did last year and what Schroeder did. That little mis, mis, mix up in the chemistry really kind of made things worse as the injuries piled up. And it kind of just created this disconnect that ne- they never were able to kind of put together. But speaking of a little bit of chemistry experiments, something else was added into this chemistry experiment on the final days of my vacation. 
and that was something of the nature of DeAndre Jordan. And we'll talk about DeAndre Jordan here in a sec, but DeAndre Jordan was traded from Brooklyn where he was relegated to the bench, basically, you know, his, his latter time there, he was no longer considered part of the rotation, which was kind of, you know, sad for him because he went in there as a buddy of Kyrie Irving and KD. We heard the stories that they all wanted to get together and they brought him in and, you know, got him the nice, uh, was I think four years, $40 million contract at the time. And everything was looking good. And unfortunately he didn't live up to his end of the bargain, got shipped out of town to Detroit, Detroit bought out his contract and waived him. And he's going to end up in LA. So I ask you, my friend on this, this is the one I think that had me scratching my head a little bit. And that is, I understand that the, the team had success with two athletic bigs previously in the bubble with, Dwight Howard and JaVale, the, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, the gold medal of winning him Olympian, JaVale McGee. And if that's the case, I want to ask you this. They're trying to recreate that. I don't know what it says for Marcus Gasol's future. I know his future, according to reports, depending on who you hear to and depending on who you listen to, is either going to be gone, traded out, or he's not going to be, he's just going to head back over to Spain even though he said he was going to be playing for the Lakers. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on the signing of DeAndre Jordan. And do you really think this is going to be a big help for the team? Not during the – but as we hopefully get deeper into the playoffs, no. The the NBA right now does not allow guys like Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan to be effective players when it really, really matters. They they clog the lane. They can't really – shoot from the perimeter. They can't shoot from the perimeter. Uh, their defense is, it's not, they can draw them out. They can draw them out because let's say if somebody like Jokic draw, decides to sit back into the three-point line, what are they going to do? You can't just sit in the paint. Uh, so during the regular season, this is kind of a regular season and maybe matchup situations as they hopefully progress during the playoffs, similar to how it was in the bubble when Dwight was very effective against um, Jokic. Jokic. Um, it, I don't know. I don't – they're trying to recreate the JaVel McGee, Dwight Howard thing, but when they played Miami, they, they were really non-existent. And Anthony Davis is going to be the five – on this team when it matters, especially now with the acquisitions they've made, especially now with somebody like Russell Westbrook. And if you have a 235-pound in-shape Carmelo Anthony who can still shoot, that, that that's going to be an interesting dynamic. If, if, if Carmelo Anthony gets open shots, is he going to hit him? If he does, it's, it's, it's just I don't even know what – and other teams are going to be able to do. He can't play defense, though, so there's that. But I'm, I'm getting a feeling that the NBA is pretty similar to now with, with how the, the NFL is, which is the, the defense needs to be good enough to be effective, but the offense is ultimately what's going to decide your, your fate. I thought the 2020 bubble, the defense was imperative. 
Um, but last year, as good as they were on defense, it didn't look like it made a difference. And again, I know there were injuries and things like that, but there's so many different scenarios that you have to put together. But in the end, I saw too much stuff that was missing on the offensive side, regardless of who was in or out. And, I, and, and that's just, it, it can't happen. You know, you can't always expect everything to be perfect. You know, LeBron is going into his 19th year now. Is it 19 or 18? I think it's 19. Um, yeah. So I know we're, we'll take that for granted. I know we're seeing what Tom Brady's doing and we're like, ah, eh, LeBron can do it, blah, blah, blah. But basketball is a little different, you know, especially the way LeBron plays. And then of course you got AD who's in his prime who right now I'm not hearing a lot of noise out of there, which is something I like. I like when I don't hear anything. If he comes in in shape and healthy, I'm looking for the MVP AD at some point here. Can we get it this year? We get it this year. I'll take a defensive player of the year, AD. But if we and get an to, MVP, and just to correct myself, Andy, it, it's uh, he's coming up to his 18th season, LeBron James. 18th season. So we always say it. We always end the same way if they're healthy. They're the Nets are in, in kind of the same boat. They are the two big teams right now. They're the ones with the most stars, most star power, the two biggest cities in in sports. So the, the hype is already being built. Um, I, 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 we have to wait and see how, how this develops. I, I have no doubt this will work as if they're healthy when it matters. No doubt. Uh, because I've seen LeBron play with anybody. That's the other amazing thing about LeBron is it doesn't matter if, if he's playing next to a wing, a scoring guard, a, a true point guard. He, he will play and he will be effective with anyone on his team because his mentality is unselfish. His mentality is not to end your life. His mentality is to make sure everybody gets a piece. And that's completely, it's, it's just a, a chemistry building type situation when you're talking about an NBA basketball team. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I, I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll tell you what, my friend, it's been great talking to you on what hopefully... Number one, Rayshon Rondo, and number two, DeAndre Jordan, will bring anything at all, hopefully a good season for the Lakers, especially when it counts in the playoffs. I definitely think Rayshon Rondo could get some minutes there and be a a, a good X factor for the Lakers. We'll see what DeAndre Jordan can provide, although I'm still kind of eh on that. But again... No, no, you have every right to be eh. I mean, if he was still had had some zest in his game, wouldn't he still be on Brooklyn? 
maybe, uh, but I don't know how, how you, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't well, matter. Who they replaced him? Think about who they, they replaced him with a very old Paul Millsap. Yeah. Very old LaMarcus Aldridge. I, I don't know what the heck Aldridge is doing. What the heck? Why is he coming back? Why would he risk? They, they, they cleared him. They cleared him in the NBA. So. I don't know. I, again, the, the, the Nets and the Lakers are going to, it's going to come down to those three. This is the NBA. That's all it's going to, those three battling is. The and Bucks, I, Nets. Yeah, that's all that matters. And looking at it from a history standpoint, LeBron has done what he's done. AD's done what he's done. Russell Westbrook, he's had some guys that he's played with that have talent, but I don't think the teams were constructed the way they needed to be after uh, Harden was traded. Had Presti stayed with Harden and paid him, I think that OKC team would have probably won two, two or three championships, at least at least one for sure, two probably likely. And after that, it was he was close with, with Durant. He was up 3-1. I thought Durant maybe bounced a little too early. Had he stayed a little bit, maybe they might have been able to put some things together and maybe make a run still. Going to Houston, again, playing with James Harden. James Harden, to me, is he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's, he's, he's a great basketball player, but he is – the Adrian Dantley of this era. I, I don't know who else to compare him to. If anybody out there who doesn't know who Adrian Dantley is, uh, watch the documentary on Bad Boys, uh, the 30 for 30. You'll get a little idea of who he was. Adrian Dantley was a scoring machine who, whose ego and dumbness couldn't get Detroit over the hump. They ended up trading him for Mark, McGu- Mark McGuire, who was playing for Dallas at the time. And the following year, the, the, the Pistons end up winning the championship. Sometimes that guy that just doesn't get the team thing and can't come through when it matters, to me, I don't consider them a star. I consider them a, okay, he can score during game 84, game uh, 74, game 55. But where's James Harden been when it really mattered? When? And, and it's not like a, a Dirk Nowitzki who had a choking label for years, which I thought was unfair. I said, I've watched Dirk Nowitzki play. He's playing his butt off. He's trying his hardest to do the right play, the right shot, and it it all kind of came together for him. And if it was anybody else, I wouldn't have cared. But I did. he he beat everybody that mattered in 2011, right? So, again, if you watch basketball as much as I do, you're going to notice things. You you know the game. Played it. I played it. Not in the NBA, but I played it. I know the game, and you can tell who's a star, who's truly a star, who isn't. I think we call certain guys stars when I don't think they deserve that moniker. So Russell Westbrook had a shot with OKC. I think they they prematurely broke that team up, and Durant left a year too early. I think had he stayed, they might have had something. They might have won one. Um, and then he goes to Houston, and that was not going to work. He goes to Washington. Come on, really? It's pretty much Houston light at that point. So now Russell Westbrook gets to come to L.A. and play with guys that for sure now are going to get him and let him do his thing. Again, Russell Westbrook is not old. He's still in his prime. He's 32. So 
two of your three stars are in their prime. And LeBron is a little out of his prime. And then everybody else is old. And then you got young guys. So it's going to come down to if everybody understands their role and we're healthy, uh, Kyrie, James Harden, and, and Durant can do all they can. Uh, I think I think I think the Lakers take them out in six if they meet in the finals. We'll definitely see what happens there. But before we head on out, my friend, it is the Ben Simmons saga. It never <laughs> seems to end. And of course, there is no better place for this to happen. And I'm sorry to say, not even L.A. or New York could actually live up to this. But Philadelphia, I think, is the best place for this type of saga. Because as you know, we saw what happened in the playoffs, especially in the last final final waning moments of that critical playoff game when Ben Simmons passed up an easy layup, an easy slam dunk in order to avoid getting fouled. And because, you know, missing foul shots and missing free throws and missing shots, missing three, the fact he can't shoot from the outside, that's all in so stuck in his head right now or at that point in time that he passed that shot up. And, of course, it ultimately led to a loss for Philadelphia and a lot of finger-pointing by even Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers, which has led to such animosity on all sides of the coin that, you know, the trade rumors were out there for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we thought there was going to be something there with with maybe Golden State, and unfortunately it didn't happen around the draft. And now it's got to the point where Ben Simmons and his group, the management group, which is Clutch, which we all know very well here in the Los Angeles Laker area. And right now, Ben Simmons has asked for a trade. And it just seems that that drama keeps on adding week by week by week. And, you know, the pressure now is now squarely on Daryl Morey. Should he trade now? Should he trade closer to, you know, maybe the trade deadline? You think they should go in a training camp like this? Let me hear your thoughts on the Ben Simmons saga. Philadelphia is a, there's something there that mentally destroys players. Uh, Marco Fultz folded there. Ben Simmons folded there. Joel Embiid has a personality that won't fold just because he's a boisterous type guy. Yeah, it melts well with the Philly. Philly yeah, yeah. He, he's got the, you know, kind of like the FU type attitude. He doesn't really care, which is admirable, especially with the PC version of everybody these days. That Past dunk, I remember that play like it was two seconds ago. The second that play happened, I said, this guy's not coming back. It was the, one of the more asinine decisions I've seen of the players. Almost, uh, if you paid attention to, 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 to the Yankees back in, I think it was the late 90s, there's a, they had a shortstop named Chuck Knobloch. He couldn't throw the first. Couldn't throw. He had a mental block. Like Steve Sachs from the Dodgers. Ankiel. There was another guy who played for, I believe, the Cardinals, uh, Ankiel. He couldn't throw the ball from out yeah. from the outfield. He had to become an outfielder. Uh, yeah. Because you know, his yeah. pitching became like that. I'm sorry, his pitching. Yeah, his pitching he became an outfielder. Yeah. And then Steve Sachs oh. from uh, second base when he was a yeah. great second baseman. Then all of a sudden he went, you know, something happened where he couldn't even throw it to first. It yeah, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a weird it's, – it's like Charles Barkley's – and this is a good segue into this discussion, too, because he had an interesting comment today about it. It's kind of like Chuck Bar- uh, Charles Barkley's golf swing, if you've ever seen it. It's hideous. He can't just follow through. He has to, He has a hitch. 
So Simmons has this hitch. And the sad, you know what's really sad about it is if he could just do a little, the the Sixers might have had a chance to win it this year. And this is the one time while I will support the Philly fans and being frustrated. Because typically they're they're belligerent to the point of obnoxious. And they've done some stupid things in the throw past. Snowballs at Santa. Okay, throw snowballs at Santa to me is a, is, is not even touching the surface. They, they were throwing batteries. I know. They I cheered. Know. Yeah, they they were cheering Michael Irvin breaking his neck. That was Michael Irvin's last football game. They're they're not a good city in terms of kind of support when sometimes a player might need support. They're the belligerent, worse than New York in my opinion. But with that. Maury is, is another guy. Um, he's trying to he's trying to get the deal he wants. He's not going to get it. And Golden State makes the most sense for Ben Simmons. I he don't has- know. I don't know if I agree with that. The reason why, yes, they could throw out a package of young guys, Andrew Wiggins. You know, they could throw a small package of the what are the rookies that they got, like James Wiseman too, as far as I'm concerned. But I think the best trade, and you're probably going to say no on this one, is a little bit. East, uh, as far as California is concerned, in Sacramento, where I think if they trade DeAndre Fox for Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons and DeAndre Fox now is no longer an even matchup, you now, if you're on Philadelphia, might have to give something more. So if you go maybe a Matisse Thibel or a Tyrese Maxey and you throw that in there for maybe a draft pick and Fox, I think that's a trade you should do because Sacramento is so bad with defense. Any premier defender they can get their hands on, they should definitely try to do it. It's a lateral move if you get rid of Fox in that deal. But your defense goes sky high. Remember, statistically, they had the worst defense ever. Yeah, but you're not – you you only make that trade if you keep Fox, which is what Sacramento wants. If you put – if you put – but the problem is who's going to be – Who's going to kind of be there for him? Uh, to me, you got leadership in in, in so many areas. Halliburton's, and, Halliburton's a good one that you know that a lot of people in Sacramento are really high on there. Plus, they got Mitchell. Who's is you know, Ben Simmons going to listen to Halliburton? Is he going to listen? Let's say if they don't put Fox in that deal, and again, Maury doesn't have any leverage here. Okay, you got a point guard in 2021-22 who can't shoot. It doesn't matter if his defense is good. The well, only you don't put him at the point. I, I, the only way this, the only way this works is you got to have the two greatest shooters of all time, and then one of the best defensive players of this era on the team who've won three championships. You know, kind of giving them the mental support. You know, I don't think you're going to get that in Sacramento with all the young guys. He needs veteran leadership. Joel Embiid is he's not really a leader. You know, he's a guy that goes, takes care of his business, and goes home. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, this, you know, leadership thing. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm 43 years old. I, I have a different mentality in terms of leadership and chemistry and this. And I'm like, look, if you're if you're a professional athlete, you're a professional star, you're the superstar. You know, does that stuff really? Is that really what you need? You know, is that really what what, what kind of makes you go? How about how about you're, you're you're that good? How about you just figure it out how to get yourself motivated to do what you need to do? Ben Simmons, I think, showed signs of lack of focus 
way before he got to Philly. You know, he was doing reality shows when he, had, when he was at LSU. He couldn't even get LSU to the freaking tournament, you know. So he's had that. He's had those those earmarks in, 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 in him having the inability to mentally focus on things that matter. He's just basically living off his athleticism and his God-given talent. And now when you're playing with other professionals, you know, that's going to get found out at some point. And it's been found out at a, at a really bad time, at a time where he cannot unlock that fear of shooting. You don't shoot in this league. You're toast. I just talked about how Rondo made his bones when the Lakers won their title because he was shooting threes and making them. Rondo. Rajon Rondo was making them. That's the difference. Sometimes that's the difference. Another, situ- another point guard that, that became a decent three-point shooter and actually is on the, the all-time list for three-pointers, Jason Kidd, who was absolutely, as you know, was a horrible shooter coming out of college and really was someone like Rajon Rondo people played off on. After a while in those championship years, like the one he when he won in Dallas, he became an integral part of that team because that he could not only just go ahead and just pass and be a great assist guy, but he could shoot enough, shoot enough in the three-point area as well. The point guards, the great point guards, are, are it's a it's a fallacy that they actually are are. I don't know if the word fallacy was the right word. It, it, Let's look at Jason Kidd. Let's look at uh, – this is all going to pertain to Ben Simmons. So you got star point guards, right? Ben Simmons is considered a star point guard who can't shoot. Um, Jason Kidd was a star who couldn't shoot. Uh, CP3, Steve Nash, those guys can shoot. Um, but if you notice, and that 2011 season, I didn't really consider Jason Kidd – Jason Kidd in his in his heyday, he was more of a passenger in that on that team. Uh, Steve Nash couldn't get to the finals. CP3 got finally got to the finals, but failed miserably the last four games. Ben Simmons, you know, he's doing what he's doing. The true point guard. I don't know necessarily if it's that important in the NBA the true point guard. If you look at the the history of the true point guard, let's say the last 30 years, what true point guard has really won? I mean, if we look at, if we look at what, what, who's won the championship the last 30 years, I don't, I don't really, I don't think there's any great point guard that's won that's been in this prime. That's, you know, been the star. I, I, I don't, I don't have a memory of it. You can, you can say Isaiah in 1990, but I always kind of considered Isaiah a, a one or two, not a true point guard. And then after that, it was the triangle offense, Hakeem triangle offense again, Avery Johnson in 99, not really. Then you had the three Pete Lakers. They didn't really have a true point guard. Chauncey Billups, Pass first point guard, no. Uh, Spurs, uh, Miami when they won in 06. 07, the Spurs, no. 08, I'd say Rondo. But was Rondo 
do you consider Rondo in the class of a CP3, a Jason Kidd, or let's say even a Ben Simmons, the all-world passing point guard? Uh, you know, that's a that's debatable. The, the true point guard doesn't really it doesn't really win consistently, at least titles, anyways. So Ben Simmons might not need to make a decision in moving to the to the power forward position and playing that and. If he doesn't want to shoot, he's got to go to a place where they shoot so they can cover his butt. Otherwise, going to Sacramento is not going to solve his problem. He'll be a, he'll, he'll want to get out of Sacramento right away. Got somebody like Ben Simmons who's all Hollywood, he won't last in Sacramento. Not, not, not for a minute. There's been a lot of players who wanted to get out of Sacramento right away. And I think yeah. one of those individuals that might be leaving right away if he doesn't get off to a good start is Luke Walton. And if his team continues to play the historically bad defense that we've seen from them in the past year, then it will be a short ride for Luke Walton, I think. I think at least if, if you get off to a bad start, let's say 10, 12 games in, I think it's going to be all she wrote for Luke Walton. I think a lot of people I, like myself are surprised that he's even still there. I got mad at myself for being hateful to former Lakers. And we've had that. We've had that issue as Lakers fans the last seven years because of how bad we've played. Luke Walton got a pretty good ribbing. Uh, I think Byron Scott might have gotten worse. Kurt Rambis, uh, he's gotten it in so many different directions the last 20 years. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that Laker fan. I'm not, I'm not throwing hate. I'm just throwing just like – Oh, no, no, no. But, but that's, that's – that's, you know, again, you're – it's very likely that he's not going to last in Sacramento. Yeah, it's, it's just what you see. The performance yeah. is there, and it's yeah, really yeah. something that, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's there. If it, if, it was, I, if it was Nate McMillan or if it was, it was another coach, let's say Rick Carlisle or someone that was else in that spot with those three years or going on his third season, that kind of productivity or lack thereof, I think that it's just in these days, you know, in the NBA in 2021, if you've got a team that, is trying to save money, he's going to play throughout his contract. But if you got a team that has any kind of money and wants to be a competitive team, and especially of Sacramento, who has been the team that's been farthest away from the playoffs, in fact, they are the most years without going to playoffs now, I think 16 or 17, since that, since those period of time against the Lakers. That's the last time they were really in the playoffs. The Sacramento Kings, I think the last time they were in the playoffs was... 404? I think they lost to the Mavericks in 04. Yeah, that's 17 years, my friend. Or, or, or was it 03, I think? It might have been 03. Yeah, so, it, you know, at some point in time, you got to start making a, a move to the future. And, yes, they do have some young pieces that they can start building with, but we'll wait and see. That defense has to get a lot better, and, and if it doesn't, even though they've got Mitchell, I, I really think that they still need more. But, you know, if you don't like Simmons there, you got to get something that, that's going to be able to go ahead and stop the ball. Yeah. Sacramento is what is the West Coast Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't, <laughs> I don't, there would need to be a all world star like a Zion Williamson that got drafted there to move the needle there. Bring there, Hito Turgu back. Bring Hito back. Well, Jeff Petrie, was it, was it Jeff uh, Petrie? I think it was, who was the general manager at the time. Yeah. The Maloofs owned the, the Kings at the time. They they brought a little bit of a Hollywood feel because they owned the the Palms in Vegas, yep. and Jeff Petrie was really good at he was very good in terms of 
putting the right team together. So they drafted Peja, they drafted Hadu, they were able to sign Doug Christie, they ended up trading for Chris Weber, and then they got Vlade, I think, via free agency. Bobby Jackson they, was always under the radar. Mike he, very good. Uh, and then Mike Bibby as well was on that team. They they kind of accidentally became that team that had a good couple-year run. Um, they would have won the world championship if the Lakers went around. At least once. Yeah. I, I get, I, Laker fans get a lot of noise still from that game six game. Uh, for those who don't remember... And, uh, and again, me being a Laker fan, no, the credibility is not going to be there, even if I'm telling you the truth. Game five in Sacramento was one of the worst officiated games I've seen. And the Lakers ended up losing that game. It was so bad that on Kobe's last shot in that game that he missed, Bobby Jackson grabbed his jersey off out of his shorts and didn't get a foul call. Because it was so fast, it was so, he did, Kobe did his turnaround so fast. But those jerseys are long and they're tucked in, and he pulled it out. It was so fast. There was I, I don't know if they didn't want to call the foul after you know being in Sacramento and all that the home court advantage, but there were so many blatant, blatantly bad calls and no calls in that game five. I remember after they had lost that game, I said. This is a this was the worst officiated game I had ever seen at that point. The worst officiated game I've seen in my life is game two in 2008 in the finals. When, uh, what was it, Leon Poe became Bernard King all of a sudden, you know? So, and, who, and well, who was one of the officials in that game? <laughs> Tim Donahue. Yeah, say more for anybody out there who has knowledge of that. You know, and again, you, 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 I can segue into other things on this one too, and we can be talking for the next couple hours, but I'll keep it short, a little bit off topic here. You know, David Stern has deserves the credit of, of taking the NBA where it, where it, where it ended up going from '84 when he came in to the strike season in '99. I thought, I thought he he managed things very well when he had Magic, Bird, and Jordan. When Jordan left, David Stern had a terrible second half of his career. And there were there were too many too many instances during that time that was it was obvious sometimes. Like, dude, this is weird. What is going on here? This thing is rigged. What is going on? And then what ends up happening, you know? So two str- two lockouts, a crooked ref, a veto, a didn't do anything to a terrible person who owned the LA Clippers. To me, that's the legacy of that. That, that time, you had a lot of that kind of going on. You know, a lot of things that were just, you knew was something wrong and, 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 and they never really got solved. So going back to that game, going back to the Sacramento situation, I, I don't know if game six was rigged. I don't know how much that franchise changes if they do win in 02. But the 04 finals, I remember watching, they were calling ticky tack fouls on 
uh, on everybody, especially Gary Payton, whenever Chauncey would do one drive. And with Kobe's situation at the time with the Lakers, you know, a couple of years earlier, I thought a little bit that was retribution in, in terms of, you know, kind of payback on that. So what's the future for the, for the Kings? The Kings will never be good until they get a superstar that they can draft. And I don't know how they can make him happy, but they're going to have to. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. New Orleans is already dealing with it right now. Zion's leaving, by the way. The second he can leave, he's out. He's out. He doesn't want to be in New Orleans. He wants to go to New York. That definitely sounds like it from his first time at MSG, but that'll be a bigger story as the months and years go on, especially if he kind of just says no to a, to an extension. But I have a feeling he'll sign the extension but want to leave at the first possible get-go. I, I agree with you on that. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. The rest of the NBA we will go ahead and cover in preceding weeks because we've got still some time to kill. Like you said, 25 days before they head to training camp. We're excited about that. There's still going to be some things going on. But before we head on out, my friend, it's been a great hour plus of conversation. I want to hear your thoughts, though, where you have more conversation on the Lakers and why people need to check out LakersBall.com. Well, Lakers Ball is kind of a – and it's, it's an interesting time right now. So we're, we're going to start putting more material out there. Things will start to get – Programming will be better as we can actually discuss what's going on current, you know, in, 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 during the season, during the games, things will be more appealing. We'll be able to explain things better and it wouldn't be so much assumption. It would be like, okay, well, the, the Lakers look terrible tonight when they lost or they look great when they won. The thing with Lakers ball that I'm hoping doesn't happen. And I think I've already said this in previous podcasts, but I think it's going to happen inevitably. You know, I want this thing to be a a valuable discussion. There's too much. There's, there's so many podcasts. There's so many things out there nowadays. How how are you going to separate your commentary from everyone else? You know, sometimes you don't discover that until you kind of get into the thick of things, right? How are people going to be receptive to how you deliver your message? Are you going to be the the, the heel, you know, and just say controversial stuff like a like a scumbag like Skip Bayless? Or are you, or you know, are you going to be like Charles Barkley that, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, so he's right twice a day, but he's a buffoon the other, you know, the other hours of the day. Those things have already been played out. So how does that factor into the Lakers ball thing? Well, I want to represent the site I want to be maybe its voice and be in a place where, you know, we're not going to go corporate. You know, this is going to be who we are. If you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. And there's plenty of other sites you can go to where everyone is, you know, holding each other's hand and skipping down the street. I'm not going to be that guy. I will never be that guy. It'll never happen. If Rajon Rondo or 
Anthony Davis or whomever or LeBron do, does something that I think is idiotic or great, I'm going to make sure it's said. Now, there is still a little bit of an opinion there. You know, that's part of why people want to listen to your opinion. That's broadcasting 101. That's what I learned. Tell, tell us your opinion and give some backing to it, right? So at Lakers Ball, I was on a previous site that turned into a disaster after I think it was 15 years being on there. Went into Lakers Ball. The setup is much better. The game time thread is my favorite during the season. We're out there. We're commentating. And even during the games that we're getting our butts kicked, we're, we're making funny you know, funny commentary. This is this is what it's about. It's about, you know, and then, of course, you got the usual yahoos that will say something that makes you mad, and then you retaliate, and then the mods will be like, guys, calm down, do this. You know, and, and again, you got to you, you gotta listen, too, a little bit. But at, at the same time, the – you know, let's let's have some individuality too. I'm not I'm not gonna agree with everything you say just because that's the status quo. You know, with the way the world is going right now, that if it's it's infiltrated the sports world, it's infiltrated everything in terms of social things and whatever. Well, if, if you guys wanna discuss that, then I'll discuss it. If if you don't want to, then so be it. Um and that's kind of how it is there. And it's 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 a respect respectful place. But I'm worried that once we blow this up. The place is going to have maybe, you know, I don't know, two, three hundred people on there, thousand people. And then at that point, it becomes like everybody, every other site, you have to deal with server issues and all that. And you have to upgrade all that stuff. So I guess we'll see. We'll have to we'll have to see how that goes. But I highly recommend if you're a Laker fan and you're listening to this. If you want to see simple, good commentary, funny stuff. Especially during the season, good in-game discussions. I highly recommend going to Lakers Ball. It is a blast. I I would find myself looking at my watch. You know, again, I can watch the game anywhere. I have a I have a smartphone. I can watch the game anywhere. I have all the channels you can think of that could be possibly shown on a phone or on a TV. I have all access to all that. But I I can't wait to get home during the season to get on my laptop and commentate because it's kind of hard to talk on on the cell phone and. A lot of times I have more fun doing that than watching the games. Sometimes I'm, I got to rewind the game just to to, 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 to to see what happened. I'll miss a dunk because somebody's saying something funny. So that's, to me, that's the, 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 the upper, that's like the top part of the, of the site is when we're all in, in, in time doing our discussions, talking about the games, talking about the players, saying who stinks, saying who's great. It's, it's a blast. I highly recommend Gerald when you, when you have a minute, you know, when the season starts to, to get in on that game time thread and, and go go toe-to-toe, everybody. It's really fun. I'll see what I can do, my friend. And plus, also, after the games, you're going to be checking out our shows. We'll be doing some as many after-the-game live Lakers fast breaks as we can do. I'll have on various guests from Mr. Joe I'm going to reach out to. Also, as well, the guys from the Lakerholics.com crew. And we'll see what we can do about getting more people involved. Again, we will be on as many times as we can during the course of, like we did last season, after every game at the Lakers fast break. I am back from Hawaii, Tanner, a little bit heavier per se from all the great food that's there, but I did enjoy my time. The scenery is outstanding. I highly recommend it as you would also as well. My friend, if you get a chance, head out to Hawaii. The people are awesome out there. 
despite that one individual that we talked about before the show, but I won't go into that. But my friend. <laughs> Did you go to a luau? I, I couldn't get to a luau when I was there. They were all sold out. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were all sold out here, but we've already done one in 2019. You know what? We could just spend more time at the beach or just go to the nice sure. places that are there, support local restaurants, you know, and then if we were based in a hotel, go to the, some of the nice hotel restaurants that were there, really just do what we can to support the communities that were there and see what we can do to go ahead and keep their economies going. So I truly appreciate and value my time in the islands. I'm hoping to return sometime soon. I know you are as well, but everybody out there, we truly appreciate you listening. During my time off, we had thousands of listens and I cannot thank you enough for doing so. I truly appreciate and we continue more great episodes on the way with this man right here also as well the lakerholics crew and a lot more i've got one on tap with my good friend mr rafael barlow of the draft podcast that you know so well locked on nba draft you got to go ahead and check out his show he's going to be coming on here in the not too distant future we're going to be talking about the Portland trailblazers and what he thinks of the lakers additions this year plus i'm going to try and get so many more experts from around the nba to go ahead and evaluate not only their teams that they're associated with but how they feel the lakers are going to do as well so I've got a great thing to still pack this month of September as we head into training camp. But I'm looking forward to some great conversations with Joe and the rest of you out there at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter, Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com, or you can find me roaming around Lakerholics.com. And of course, you can find me roaming around at Lakersball.com. Joe, it's been great having you on once again. Looking forward to a conversation here next week. We'll do another one right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.